Welcome to Live Yes with Arthritis from the Arthritis Foundation. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. Here, you'll learn things that can help you improve your life and turn no into yes. This podcast is part of the Live Yes Arthritis Network, a growing community of people like you who really care about conquering arthritis once and for all. This edition is part of a special series on COVID-19 and arthritis, sponsored by Novartis. With updates about the coronavirus and how people are being affected, this special edition was released on June 9th, 2020. Our hosts are arthritis patients, Rebecca and Julie, and they're asking the questions you want answers to. Listen in. Welcome to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. I'm Rebecca, an occupational therapist living with rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm Julie, a JA patient who's passionate about making sure all patients have a voice. Julie, it's kind of hard to believe that it's been over two months since we did our first coronavirus in arthritis episode. It kind of feels like time's gone by fast, yet still super slow at the same time. I was describing it the other day as this prolonged fight or flight response where time is moving so, so swiftly and things are changing incredibly rapidly, but also all of my days are exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like a repeat of Groundhog Day. That's right. It's Groundhog Day <laughs> over and over and over again. And I just, I keep thinking that that rapid change is related to how much we have learned since we first were talking about COVID-19, right? When we started this out, we just didn't really know that much. And today we are going to have someone who is a leading expert in infectious disease who's going to give us an update on what we do know now about COVID-19, specifically for those of us living with a form of arthritis. We are so glad to have Dr. Kevin Winthrop as our guest today to give us the latest information of what we do know on COVID-19. Dr. Kevin Winthrop is a professor at Oregon Health and Science University specializing in infectious disease and rheumatology. He served as a former infectious disease epidemiologist in the Division of Tuberculosis Elimination at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and has co-authored over 200 publications. As a primary and senior investigator in many clinical and epidemiologic studies in these fields, he has collaborated closely with the rheumatology community in the evaluation and prevention of opportunistic infections. Thank you so much, Dr. Winthrop. We know how busy you are. So we're going to cut to the chase and just get right to our questions. You bet. Thanks, Rebecca. So we know that you're involved in a lot of things going on right now related to COVID-19. Can you tell us briefly what you're working on on the front lines for research? There's a lot going on, obviously, and and everyone's working really hard, I think, in in sometimes different areas of, of combating this pandemic. Myself, I have been mostly involved in some of the the new studies that are coming out to address COVID. So I'm familiar with a lot of those potential therapies and helping run um, some of the studies or or give oversight to the safety aspects of those studies globally or or within the U.S. So I've I've been very busy because there's a lot of... There's a lot of studies going on, which is great. And there's a lot of studies starting and things that are uh, on their way to being started very shortly. So hopefully some of these therapies will, will 
pan out and be helpful for people. So, Well, Dr. Winthrop, that sounds like you are in a whirlwind of learning and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Can you shed any light on who is truly most at risk for COVID-19 and do we know anything about why? Obviously, a lot of the studies are uh, initially came out of China and then um, subsequently Italy and, and now now here. A lot of the studies are studies of hospitalized patients and you know looking at their characteristics and reporting somewhat descriptively you know the percentage of comorbidities and just what do these people look like who have done poorly. We know that that advanced age is really probably the most important risk factor. Obesity is is obviously a risk factor. Uh, and there seems to be other comorbidities, heart disease and hypertension. You know, those get reported quite a bit. And they, there are a large percentage of those people in the hospital, severe or critical COVID, who have those characteristics. If you end up with severe disease, i.e., what is your risk of death? You know, people with underlying lung disease or hypertension, uh, you know, and cardiovascular disease, they're less able to uh, probably survive an experience on a ventilator than, than other people, people that are obese or harder to ventilate. So, I mean, a lot of these things probably are risk factors for death if you end up in a critical situation, but we just don't know yet. So as far as people with autoimmune diseases, what goes wrong in the immune system and how does that affect the risk for infection? So explaining how DMARDs and biologics can control the immune system DMARDs, can you give a definition of what they are? Basically, medications that we use to treat arthritis at its source. So it stands for disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. So when you hear that term, that's what that means. Sure. But how that can affect risk of infection. I think all of us were very worried initially that geez, we have all these patients on these immunosuppressives. They're going to be at higher risk. The good news is we haven't necessarily seen that play out. The bad news is we kind of still don't know yet. We're all struck by the same thing, the, the paucity, you know, the, the few reports that there are of people on these therapies with underlying autoimmune disease that have done um, very poorly. They're certainly out there. Some of these people have died. Some of these people have been hospitalized. But the percentages of those people from those large hospital-based experiences I mentioned, uh, the percentage of those people on immunosuppressives or with autoimmune disease seems, seems to be pretty low probably lower than what we'd expect. Maybe these people aren't at higher risk. You know, alternatively, it may be that none of these types of people have left their houses for the last eight weeks because, <laughs> because they've been so scared. And so maybe their risk of being infected is lower simply because they're being more, more cautious about how they, they live. I think you really painted a, a broad picture about how it feels to live with autoimmune conditions and be in this space. And luckily that we're not seeing those those upticks, there are still many patients who are questioning what the best thing to do is when it comes to staying on their medications for inflammatory types of arthritis, like those DMARDs, like those biologics, when it comes to rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. Could you comment on that a little bit? It's not just a quick soundbite answer. It's a, <laughs> it's a full day of thinking about each drug and each disease and thinking about what we know and what we don't know and what the theory would be. But I think in general, I could just say, you know, across the autoimmune diseases, there's no question that the people who have optimal disease control, i.e. low disease activity or remission, their immune systems work better and they're at lower risk for infection. And that's true of every autoimmune disease I can think of. That in itself is protective against infection, probably also COVID. Viral 
infections uh, outside of a few viruses like herpes zoster and a few other things, primarily which are reactivations of latent viruses, things that we already have. You know, there's not a lot of great data with regard to viral infections or viral respiratory infections in general in terms of which drugs predispose to that, which diseases might predispose to that in terms of autoimmune disease. It's a hard thing to study in real-world data and population-based data. It's even a hard thing to study in clinical trials because a lot of times viral illness, we just don't capture. We don't diagnose it. Some of the drugs that I mentioned and their mechanisms of action may be protective in the face of this infection simply because patients who are dying from this are dying because of cytokine storm, just an overactive inflammatory response. And that's part of the picture. So not, not the whole picture, but part of the picture. So there is an idea that, you know, if you tame that down, at least in certain ways, maybe that's protective. So that's the hypothesis under study with a number of these trials that's ongoing. You hear a lot of people saying, uh, well, I don't know if I want to maintain my, my rheumatoid arthritis treatment or my lupus treatment, whatever biologic I'm on. It's important, more important for us to maintain our treatment to have low disease activity. Yeah, absolutely. I think most of the time people are keeping their therapies going as they're supposed to, unless they've been exposed to COVID or they have symptoms of COVID. In those cases, you know, uh, certainly we're meaning myself, (laughs) me, myself, and I. uh, (laughs) I think in general, the the guidance has been pretty uniform. I I was part of the ACR uh, guidelines or task force committee that recently put out some interim, very interim guidelines uh, around this. But I mean, clearly patients who are uh, in general, who have an active infection of any kind, generally you know, recommend stopping or holding your current therapy until you've, your infection is resolved. And for the most part, that's the way we're, we're still articulating that idea. In the ACR document, we really all felt pretty strongly that you shouldn't be changing your, your DMARDs because then you risk disease flare. And you know, disease flare means prednisone and other things. And I don't think anyone should should go off their DMARDs unless they've been exposed to COVID or they're uh, with symptoms of a suspect. Now more than ever, managing your arthritis is extra challenging as we continue to distance ourselves while cautiously reopening. We want to understand how COVID-19 is impacting you so we can help make a difference. 88% of those with arthritis say they feel anxiety and fear these days. Do you agree? Go to arthritis.org slash insights and speak out. We've talked a lot about DMARDs and biologics, and we've heard a lot about them in the news lately as, you know, potential treatments for COVID-19. I wonder if you could share a little bit about why these types of treatments might be considered for COVID-19 and what we should be thinking about it. A lot of the, the morbidity associated with COVID seems to be an overactive inflammatory response. And, and the idea would be that if you can prevent that from happening or tame it down once it happens, that that, that would then be protective. I think any of the currently approved therapies for rheumatoid arthritis, for example, have theoretical grounds for being useful. So we'll just have to see how that, how that plays out. So I'm on these. Is that giving me a layer of protection? We didn't have an answer to that two months ago. I'm sure we still don't, but that's that's a big question that hangs over my head. I'm on methotrexate. And so if they're using 
some of the drugs they use for inflammatory types of arthritis, if they're using it to treat COVID, is that somewhat protecting me if I am on it? Yeah, that's a great question. Boy, I wish I had an answer to that. (laughs) I figured we didn't have one yet. This is my gut feeling. We've seen this with other infections, like usually bacterial infections, that some of these drugs increase your risk of getting them. There was a classic study a few years ago with, with, from the rabbit registry in Germany. And, you know, they showed that you know, people on TNF blockers are more likely to get a serious infection. But then if you look at people in the hospital with serious infections, you know, the ones who got them while on a TNF blocker were less likely to progress to sepsis. So it, it may be that some of these things uh, might either not affect your risk of getting it or maybe slightly increase your risk of getting it. But once you've got it, maybe it's uh, maybe you're better off, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that would be my hypothesis that I would love to test with all of these drugs. So there's a lot of talk about testing right now. Um, can you talk about the difference between testing for COVID-19 versus the antibodies testing that we're hearing more and more about? It is the Wild West of testing right now. There are lots of institutions doing their own tests. There's national laboratories with their tests. There's public health agencies that, who are using CDC's tests. I mean, there's lots of different tests for both looking for presence of virus. The characteristics of the test vary. I mean, we know that there can be false negatives, and the rate of those false negatives probably varies according to the test. A lot of these tests are not necessarily FDA approved yet. It's a bit of a guessing game. And I guess even more of a guessing game are the antibody tests because these are blood-based tests. The sensitivity and specificity, you know, the accuracy of these tests really is unknown. I mean, there's, there's people, that there's fake tests out there. Right. So I think in the next, you know, one to two months, we're going to have more of those tests that are officially approved by FDA or they've, they've submitted their data in terms of their test characteristics. We know what their sensitivity and specificity is. So we'll understand how to use them better. So I think what you're going to end up seeing in the next one to two months is that, that there will be better understanding of which tests uh, should be used. You'll see more people combining both tests, um, you know, swab and the blood test. Uh, as, as more testing capacity is developed, are these going to be live vaccines that people with autoimmune disease won't be able to even take? The last time I looked, which was last week, there was like 73 candidates out there. Wow. I don't have any clue what's going to emerge at the end of that pipeline of 73 candidates. There's probably more candidates now than there were last week. But, but I have <laughs> yeah. seen that, that there's a variety of things in process. There's a number of phase one trials going. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's a race. I suspect that we'll have vaccines that work. I think vaccine researchers will come up with a vaccine that works, and there may be several vaccines, um, and that they're likely to be adjuvenated, meaning you, know, you give things that help with uh, immune response, but I, I suspect it'll at least be a year. So, Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Dr. Winthrop, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. We know you have to get back to patients, so we'll let you go. And we really appreciate all of the insight that you've shared with us today to help us understand what we've learned that's different from what we started out with and when we were first tackling this thing. So thank you very much. All right, guys. Stay safe. Thanks. Thanks. See you too. Cheers. We really appreciate Dr. Winthrop's time. And since it was cut short, we had one question we really wanted to be able to ask. Thankfully, Dr. Winthrop answered us via email when he had time. 
if I've contracted COVID-19 and recovered from it, is there a risk of reinfection? Is there a chance I could get it again? And he responded via email. And Julie, what was his answer? Well, he said that there's still so much that we don't know. And what we talked about during our conversation, we've learned a lot in the two months that we've been tackling COVID-19 and we'll continue to learn a lot. We don't know the direct answer to this particular question, but we know that there is evidence that the antibodies that you would have after having contracted COVID-19 are protective. We just don't know how fully they'll be protective and for how long that protection will last. So stay vigilant, wear that mask, wash those hands, and keep doing what you're doing to stay safe at home. We want to hear from you about topics you'd like us to cover in future Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. And tell us how we're doing. Go to arthritis.org slash podcast. Just scroll down to the big green block at the bottom of the page and click Get Started to start the survey. That's arthritis.org slash podcast. The biggest takeaway that I think we know differently from, from last episode with Dr. Michael George is that, yes, stay on your medication, please. The lower disease activity, the better off we are when we have arthritis. We don't want to have a lot of inflammation in our body in general because that just predisposes us to any type of infection. But if you have been exposed to someone with coronavirus or you think you might be getting sick, it's very important to talk with your doctor maintain that course of care. Also maintain your adherence to seeing your doctor and pursuing that care. You don't have to do it in person, but utilizing telemedicine and some of those other options out there, uh, it's more than ever important to have your questions answered and to really connect with the doctor who can give you your personalized endorsement of continuing your medications and continuing on that way. What else? What else did you take away? Well, I think the other thing that I would take away from uh, Dr. Winthrop's knowledge is that there really is still a lot we don't know, right? Um, We do know that, yes, we have that answer, stay on your medication, but Mm -hmm. what we don't know as the country starts to reopen and people start going back to work, there's still a lot of unknown factors. So all of us have been practicing social distancing and (laughs) physical distancing and washing our hands frequently and disinfecting and sanitizing. And I think that's just our way of life now. You know, we we kept talking about this new normal. Well, and when things go back to normal, I don't think that happens for a while. I feel like we have to continue to be vigilant while Mm -hmm. um, we still don't know. And until these vaccines uh, actually get developed, there's going to be hope for us to have something no matter what conditions we have. That's right. We have to stay the course and continue to to be safe. As difficult as it is to to continue to stay home and do all these mm-hmm. extra steps when we go grocery shopping or when we go out and about to wear a mask, I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of my top takeaways from Dr. Winthrop was when he shared that we would have anticipated that people with autoimmune disease would contract this disease at a greater rate, that they would have more severe cases. But whether it's the fact that we are already practicing these good behaviors and washing our hands and we know what it's like to live in an immunosuppressed state, whatever it is that we, our community, are doing, we've got to keep it up. 
People with arthritis are trained athletes <laughs> in being vigilant in doing self-care and good hygiene so that That's we can right. protect ourselves every flu and cold season. Mm-hmm. It's been a long marathon for some of us. That's right. Well, gold badges for everybody who is staying home. Thank you. Keep it up. And I know we didn't get to all of the questions that we would have liked to today with Dr. Winthrop's limited time because he's literally on the front line seeing patients right now as we speak. So if you have questions that you continue to want answers to, one of the best places to go to find the answers is arthritis.org slash cares, where we have up-to-date information that changes and becomes more up-to-date every single day um, related to arthritis and coronavirus. Yeah. And you can also go on to our Live Yes Arthritis Network online community. We have some hot topics discussions in there. There is a coronavirus and arthritis one, as well as one on mental health and a whole bunch of topics that you can ask some questions and get them answered by some leading experts. Connect with others and get some questions answered. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. This Live Yes with Arthritis podcast is part of a special series on COVID-19 and arthritis. Brought to you by the trusted experts of the Arthritis Foundation. We're bringing together leaders in the arthritis community to help you make a difference in your own life in ways that make sense. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. The Arthritis Foundation would like to thank Novartis for sponsoring this special series. Go to arthritis.org slash podcast for episodes and show notes. And stay in touch.